Hi, Internet. Mike and Andy here from the Vox Dueling World Headquarters in Dana Point, California. Right? You're in Dana Point, right? Say, San Juan. I'm on the border of San Juan and Dana Point. It's basically okay, the same it's thing. This, it's really the same town. Yeah. And and uh, and the World Vox Headquarters in uh, suburban Columbus, Ohio. And, and interestingly enough, sweet listeners, um, our, our two – we're recording on a Friday – and um, and Columbus is only two degrees cooler than Southern California, which uh, which will rarely ever happen. So <laughs> hallelujah for that. Right. Do you have gray skies though? Uh, they're spotted right now. It kind of, it rained okay. yesterday morning, and then it's it's been kind of spotty clouds throughout the past couple of days. A little bit of overcast, a little bit of sun. It's, okay. pre- it's really All pretty. Right, the nice. sunsets this time of the year are insane. They look amazing. Right. We don't. What is this sun? You don't. That you yeah. Speak of? Yeah. <laughs> it's the the gray. The gray is already socking us in, man. Holy cow! Um, so, so Andy, Andy's got his ducks gear on, which you know, uh, it's that time of the year again, which mm-hmm. is good news for football lovers like myself, uh, and good news for hockey lovers, although a lot less people pay attention to that sport. And uh, and Andy's got a mustache that literally uh, he has to watch if it touches the microphone because it's kind of like velcro it sticks <laughs> yeah it makes weird noises if you heard the last and, episode you can hear there's just one part where i thought the i literally thought the audio had broke because it was like, <laughs> like and it was my mustache rubbing against my my, my pop lord. screen <laughs> good lord things things that that um you never want to know like behind the scenes of yeah now i do have to i do have a confession to make andy and okay. um, and evidently you've been very proprietary about this, but I had mistakenly credited Nate Erie with encouraging <laughs> me to watch Stranger Things, and you had to chime in and say, "No, no, it was you a year ago." True, and but I, but I have but I have I have no recollection of that. Um, and uh, and and it wasn't until Nate said he was going to watch episode two, mm-hmm. and he was super excited about it two. that we kind of caved and said, "Okay, well let's let's watch the first one." And the first one. It's great. Yeah. It's great, Andy. Right. I can't even be specific to say that when I mentioned it a year ago, you appreciated my use of the word homage. (laughs) Because I said it is a fantastic homage to the 80s motif of uh, monster sci-fi 80s suspense movies. And so you you ever see the do you ever see the movie The Lost Boys? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so so one of the characters, Billy, reminds mm-hmm. me. Have you seen two yet? Season two? I've started. I'm on episode five. Okay, so you've met Billy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Billy is is um is a, Max's the, the older step-brother. yeah Max's older stepbrother. Yeah. Right. He's straight out of Lost Boys cast. Oh, he's amazing. I mean, Absolutely. Straight out of Lost Boys cast. But anyway, so so I lo- here's what I love about the show. I love that it teaches millennials how culturally impoverished they are <laughs> and and in re, in respect to the the glory of the 80s i just yeah. i love i love um that they're aware of the kind of music mm-hmm. uh because season two was much heavier on the music i thought like playing the the hits of the 80s yeah that was my first tweet uh, was was uh, i was like someone got some major licensing budget <laughs> yes those, those are oh, huge they did. Songs. oh my goodness and when the thriller was bon the, the runaway yeah, it's all in there. There's yeah, tons that was in. that was solid. It was solid, Andy Bear. So so anyway, so that's what's going on in the Erie household. We're we're repenting 
of my hard heart towards Andy's recommendation of Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, the wifey and I, in uh, the space of a week, have watched both episodes or both seasons of episodes and so we are now fully caught up and and now just waiting another year for it to come back yep um and i understand what a demigorgon is which um which is fantastic yeah Yeah. um so so and i'm gonna call your mustache the shadow monster That's kind of taken over your face. <laughs> but that's a different thing. Oh, that's pretty good. That's that's awesome. Soon it will take over my heart and my mind. <laughs> so I know, I know, um, but we don't want to give anything away. So there you go. <laughs> as much as you already did on Facebook, <laughs> I put a question mark next to it. Yeah, yeah. Still, <laughs> okay. Spoiler, <laughs> sweet Bob. All right, so. Um, Today we want to talk about something that has generated a bit of uh, controversy over uh, Christian social media, and uh, it is a website called churchclarity.org, and uh, it is a a way to categorize churches based on the clarity of their policies toward the inclusion or non-inclusion of LGBTQ uh, folks, mm-hmm. and uh, so so what I want to do, Andy Bear, is I want to I want to read some stuff from their website, okay, to kind of get in view what it is, and then and then there have been various responses to it, um, and, and then I I know you've got some opinions on it. I've got a couple of thoughts. So so I wanted to I wanted to talk about um, uh, because I I think this really gets to an interesting conversation that that and the dynamics of a conversation that um, is being had all over uh, the United States. So, uh, from the website, all right, this is straight text from the website. It says, the problem is that there are millions of churches around the world. They represent a wide spectrum of beliefs, which are translated into actively enforced policies. At the level of the local church, policies are often communicated unclearly, even uh, if they are even disclosed at all. In many churches, especially evangelical ones, clarity is elusive. In the first phase of church clarity, our focus is on policies that directly impact LGBTQ plus people. So our solution from the website, we're not advocating for policy changes. Together, we're establishing a new standard for church policy disclosure. We believe that churches have a responsibility to be clear about their policies on their primary websites. Following a simple yet consistent method, our crowdsourcers submit churches to be scored on how clearly their website communicates their actively enforced policies. Once the information is verified by Church Clarity, it is published to our database. We believe that ambiguity is harmful and clarity is reasonable. Learn more below about how you can help us create this new standard. Now, so so uh, you know instantly, based on our um, our uh, interactions with with folks from the LGBTQ community at Vox, um, you know we have been very ambiguous uh, for for reasons we think are very compelling. Uh, about where we stand. We don't take a stance issue, so we would not put ourselves in any of the boxes that are about to be elucidated. Although, I think uh, some of our community would would box us in non-affirming, others would box us in affirming, um, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get, and and there we've got some folks from the LGBTQ community upset with us about some things, and and folks from the non-affirming community upset with us about some things. So I, I you know, uh, so 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 on the one hand, I'm I, I'm totally sympathetic to the the person 
who, you know, the, the church says all are welcome and they show up, um, uh, they're gay, they, uh, you know, they, they, they feel welcomed, their children aren't, you know, looked at differently when they're checked in, they, um, uh, you know, they begin to serve, they begin to uh, give, they begin to uh, participate in the community, and then all of a sudden they run up against a, hey, we don't allow, you know, gay people in leadership, we don't allow gay people in children's ministry, I mean, whatever it is. And how harmful that has to be any number of times um, I would, I would, in that situation, I would absolutely desire, um, upfront clarity about, okay, what's it mean that all are welcome? You mm-hmm. know, what's that mean? Right. Um, so, so initially I, I read this and was like, okay, well, if, if the goal simply is to, um, have clarity on, on issues for churches that have decided where they stand on these issues, Okay. I mean, I can see why that would be a, a genuine want for the LGBTQ community. Sure. The issue I, I began to have with it isn't that it's necessary, but how it's being done. And so I want to get into a bit of the how they do it. So we can, we can kind of, because uh, I'm assuming some of our listeners haven't, you know, they, they don't obsess <clears throat> over these things like, uh, like we do. So I want to give, uh, I want to give as much um, context and background before we get into, hey, maybe maybe this isn't as, as helpful as initially we thought it was going to be. So back to the website text. Churches were assigned four scores, clear, unclear, undisclosed, or actively discerning. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then the tag affirming or non-affirming. So you can be clear affirming, clear non-affirming, unclear affirming, unclear non-affirming, undisclosed, or actively discerning. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so undisclosed um, is simply for those churches whose policy cannot be found on their website. But I've also seen on, on churchclarity.org that they'll have undisclosed. And um, no, that's unclear. So, uh, so undisclosed is like a red box that just simply says they've not shared their policy. Unclear, non-affirming, the score for church websites that do not clearly and accessibly communicate its LGBTQ plus policies. To count as both clear and affirming, a church must specify both sexual orientation and gender and gender identity or expression in its affirmation. If only one is addressed, then it will be marked unclear. Additionally, if the church's policy is buried in peripheral sections of the website, like sermons or blog posts or media, it will count as unclear. A simple rule of thumb is this. If a new person was browsing your church's website and was not searching for an LGBTQ policy, would this person discover it? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so I'm not looking for it. And, uh, and if yes, then it's clear. If not, then it's unclear. Mm-hmm. So this, so, you know, this is like a doctrinal statement right? kind of thing, right? So it's got to, you've got to lead with this to, to be marked clear. So clear, non-affirming. All right. So, so you've got unclear, non-affirming, unclear, affirming. All right. So, so it, you, you're affirming, but that only comes to you through sermons or through peripheral materials. It's not like first on the site. Then you have clear, non-affirming and affirming. Uh, the score for churches who clearly indicate non-affirming policies in a way 
uh, that can be easily found on their websites. Non-affirming policies place restrictions on individuals who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and or queer. A church may have a uh, indeed have a f- welcoming and friendly culture, but as long as its policy is restrictive in some way, you can lead, but your wedding will not be officiated. It will be scored as non-affirming. Okay, so it, it's got to be clear in the sense that the website must either spell out this policy in its primary pages or clearly and accessibly linked to a policy from those pages. It's not affirming in the sense that it places some restriction based on those identities mm-hmm. and practices. Make sense? Yep. And then affirming, of course, is, is much more, they say, an affirming policy is much more than welcoming LGBTQ plus people. It means that they are people, uh, they are invited and eligible to participate in every area of church life, marriage and baptism, and every level of leadership, elder or pastor. A clear church uh, must have this on its primary website. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. So you've got, you've got this matrix of undisclosed, unclear, clear, and then the affirming and non-affirming. So there can't be any restrictions for you to be affirming. Non-affirming means you could be welcoming, but there are restrictions somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Now, actively discerning, I'm thrilled they have this category. This score for identifying churches who are openly and proactively contemplating their policies, publicly acknowledging this process is an example of delivering clarity. Because this option has a high potential for abuse, however, we can only grant this label as a temporary placeholder. Uh, A church can only declare it is an act of discernment if it publicly commits to delivering clarity within a reasonable specific deadline. Make sense? Yep. So, So you go on there and you have churches listed by state. And a lot of them now are just big mega churches, right? Um, and uh, and they are listed uh, in those categories. Now, found an article online that that kind of describes um, uh, Tim Schrader, who is a gay Christian, uh, is one of the founders uh, of this. Um, he has. Uh, he has uh, he said this in, in in one article I read. He said LGBTQ believers become active members of their church community. They start contributing financially. They're volunteering. They're leading in different capacities. But at some point, they reach a moment where they want to take their engagement and involvement in the church to another level through membership, through baptism, or through being married. That's when a church will typically disclose whether or not they accept a follow a follower's sexuality. Um, in most cases, that's the first time that LGBTQ believers find out that actually there is a condition to when we say all are welcome. There's a condition when we, to when we say come as you are, and that's devastating, and that has caused tremendous harm to a lot of people. And so, um, and so Schrader said, I hope that with church clarity, the LGBT community will value the church's honesty and transparency around these issues and that they'll find places where they're truly welcome. And I hope for the church community, it helps them see the grave need for clearly articulated policies. All right. So on, it makes sense so far, Andy. Yes. Have I explained this yes. decently at all? You are. You're doing a great job. Yeah, well, thank you, Andy Barrett. You're welcome. So, so I can see... If I were an LGBTQ Christian, why something like this would be of high value Mm -hmm. and why exerting pressure on churches, because it's primarily mega churches that that get away with kind of the don't ask, don't tell sort of policy. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, we know you're out there. We're not going to make a big deal as long as you don't make it a big deal, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. 
And and um, and I can see where for for folks investigating churches, if having an affirming church is one of the most important things to you, then knowing which churches are affirming, you know, I can see why that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I've got three responses. I've got one response. Well, I've got four, including yours. One response is from a progressive Christian. So this is somebody who's an advocate for LGBTQ people and their inclusion in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got another response from a gay celibate Jesus follower who uh, f- has all kinds of issues with this. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a Mike response, and then you've got an Andy response. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So first of all, this was on uh, Religious News Service, uh, RNS, and this is... Um, A woman named Barbara Wheeler, who writes about herself, she says, for decades I've been an ally and an advocate for the ordination of LGBTQ persons in the church and and for same-sex marriage in the church and society. Uh, Though we've experienced significant legal and policy changes in some quarters, (laughs) so that's where I was getting messed up, or changels, (laughs) I hope to see ever-wide acceptance, welcome, and support of sexual minorities. For these purposes, I believe Church Clarity's approach is likely to be counterproductive. Okay, <laughs> so she is totally on board for the increasing inclusion of gay Christians in the church. However, she thinks this is counterproductive. And she just mm-hmm. raises some interesting points. I mean, these I don't know enough to know whether or not I agree with the point she makes. Um, but, I, but I thought it just an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, um, she says she doesn't like the fact that there's untrustworthy methods. She says church clarity allows for congregations to apply for affirming status, but labels will also be affixed based on public statements of leaders and reports from quote crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. While the group claims that its volunteer staff verifies these data points, it does not say what counts as verification, which is mm, true. That's good. Yeah. Yep, so so what's that mean? This means that volunteers who know little about particular traditions will do some of the classifying, and frankly, they may be wrong. Organizations are already in place in many mainline denominations and coalitions of churches that have gone through a careful, a long and careful process of choosing to identify themselves as open and affirming. So that's already out there. Mm-hmm. These organizations are far more dependable guides for the person or family who wants to know how they are likely to be received than lists compiled by third-hand report. Yeah. Okay, so that was her first objection. Okay. Her second, her second objection is that poor predictors. She said, members of a local church are rarely, if ever, uniform in their beliefs or political opinions and views of social issues. A congregation with a pro-LGBTQ policy on its website may also harbor a knot of longtime members who are uncomfortable with or even hostile to gay couples. The sole congregation in a rural town that includes everyone in the area who wants to go to church is likely to be widely diverse in theology and politics. Mm -hmm. It could never pass a policy statement on same-sex marriage, but it may fully accept its own gay members and elect them to leadership. Is the former affirming? Is the latter non-affirming? Because few congregations... because you can score a few congregations on what an actual LGBTQ person or their family will experience in a particular place, I have hesitations. Yeah. Makes Boom. sense? Oh, yeah. That's such a great so, point. So you can, say, you can say that you're affirming, but you may have people there um, who are not, and, mm-hmm. and that does not necessarily equate into 
um, how you and your family will experience a specific church. I think that's an interesting, interesting yeah. point. Well, if, and, and for a second, even furthermore, if the whole agenda of, of church clarity is to offer safety for those to find a place in which they would be safe. There's no guarantee of that kind of safety. I mean, like, it's just that, you know, those folks in those churches could easily approach, you know, the two guys and, you know, go after them, you know, and say all right. kinds of hateful things to them. And they're a part of affirming church. So it's like, that's the thing. It doesn't even guarantee safety either way. Right. But go on. Right. No, that, that, that's exactly her concern. She says, uh, she says her third concern is that change takes time. Church clarity says that ambiguity on matters... Jeez, <laughs> I cannot talk. <laughs> ambiguity? No, church clarity says ambiguity there on matters is. of human sexuality is harmful. All right? But uncertainty and unclarity are often signs of change, a slow process for most of us. Mm-hmm. Many supporters and advocates of LGBTQ causes today were opponents when I entered the fray 40 years ago. The transformation took a long time in good measure because sexuality is a marker issue, one that determines what groups you can or cannot belong to. On this issue, for church members and leaders, the cost of public clarity with respect to either personal identity or theological and social views can be high. Family and church relationships, lifelong friendships, even employment are at stake. It takes time to negotiate a new stance, to come to terms with the possibility of ruptures, to find new sources of community and support, forcing persons and congregations to adopt a label, including the, quote, harmful labels of ambiguous or unclear, freezes the process of forming deep convictions at one point in time. That means that church clarity's approach may make eventual of LGBTQ persons less, not more likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yes, yes. And and then and then and then she levels the she levels the boom. I mean, I mean, I, these seem really interesting, like good points. Yeah. She says uh, her last concern is that no single issue should identify a church. Thank you. Who LGBTQ persons are in the eyes of God and the life of the church is not a peripheral question. On this score, most churches have de- have been dead wrong and deadly wrong with untold harm done to persons. Changing churches teaching on this topic and even more their ethos <laughs> ethos <laughs> is a priority in our time. Human sexuality is not, however, the decisive issue that determines whether a church body is acceptable or not. Churches may that support by policy LGBTQ members and leaders may be racist or classist. Do they deserve the honorific affirming title? Hmm. Um, and can we resist the acute temptation that comes with it to think of ourselves as righteous without remainder? Churches that have not adopted any policy may be in the midst of a profound process of discernment. Should they be labeled harmful for not yet declaring themselves? Churches that have decided for whatever reasons they will not host same-gender marriage ceremonies at this time and make that known may still be firmly rooted in the faith and contributing to the welfare of their communities. Should they be assigned to a category that begins with the prefix non? If every church had to be unanimously clear at every moment on every confessional and practical topic, none could be affirmed as Christian. Church clarity should back off and let churches live into faithfulness, supporting the inevitable confusion along the way, as well as the insight at the end of the process. And then here's her, here's her money line. She says, putting churches into classificatory, classificatory, it, classificatory boxes makes it more likely they will stay in them. Yeah. Yeah. Putting churches into classificatory boxes makes it more likely they will stay in them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because how does a non-affirming church ever become affirming yep. once it's labeled non-affirming? Yep. 
<laughs> right? right? I mean, the way the way non-affirming churches become affirming is is by the stories, the the relationships, the the uh, the community that begins to intersect with the gay community, and you mm-hmm. realize, oh my word, maybe we have been harmful in these ways. Sure. But if you just if if you're forced to just simply say, yep, non-affirming here, um, are those folks ever going to come into your church? Right. You right. know what I mean? Well, and furthermore, like to yeah, both her her last point too. Also, then it simply just encourages, you know, the the taking on of a single view of something as your primary identity. You know, so it's like, oh, that's a non-affirming church where that's where I belong. That's where I need to go because that's my view on that. So it's just a place to then continue to encourage that view. So it's not just that even if the organization decided two days later to be like, you know what, actually, we're going to be affirming. And they, you know, they just make the statement for one to her point, though, like the coalitions and the other verification standards that are out there to make you affirming, they would need to go through that process. I mean, at, at least to kind of be qualified under that larger you know, validation of integrity versus the verification process through churchclarity.org. So now to her point, you have two mixed versions of verification into which one are you then, are you, are you trying to figure out to appeal to as well? And so it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a total mess. Well, and, and, and so I found it. So I found that, that perspective interesting. Um, I also found uh, another perspective from a celibate gay Christian. Yeah. Okay, who said, now, now there is a Justin Lee, um, and he created a kind of a typology between a side A person and a side B person on this issue, hmm. um, um, uh, or side B Christian, which is kind of, you know, non-affirming, side A is affirming. Um, but here's what he writes. He says, um, in the complicated and often fractitious world of Christian faith and sexual identity in the U.S. A new website has appeared that deeply concerns me as a gay celibate Christian, a side B Christian. For the last few months, fallout with the Nashville statement that polarized the evangelical world and that I could not sign. Um, a new website called churchclarity.org has appeared from a small but well-organized group of Christian LGBTQI activists. The world is becoming increasingly a difficult place to be measured, biblically convicted, same-sex attracted, or gay Christian. The website is calling for all churches to be scored or rated according to their own self-determined and select criteria. I am, as much as the next person, deeply concerned about the pastoral failures of many Orthodox Mm. or Evangelical churches and their treatment of LGBTQI people. But I'm equally concerned by many churches and pastors caving into the pressure of culture and changing their views. Hmm. Um, now, now this is where, and again, people are going to be um, offended by what he says next, but it, it's an interesting perspective. He says, um, he says that the church site states that they are not advocating for policy changes. And yet he says, no one I know from the other side of this supposed conversation was contacted. So no, no side B Christians were involved in this. For these reasons and many others, as soon as I saw the website, it made me feel deeply unsafe and concerned about a new conversation emerging. Mm. Instead of seeking the organic community-focused solution that is desperately needed, my church would have to be artificially forced and categorized in a position. Um, and, and he simply says... Uh, Let's see, churches all across the U.S., mainly ones I personally love, are rated as either non-affirming, affirming, or unclear, non-affirming. These labels might seem superficially harmless, and the whole project itself is justified in encouraging clarity, but underneath it seems to be a further power grab and reaction against the signers of the Nashville Statement. 
what is actually happening is a politicizing, framing and controlling of the discourse so that churches can be earmarked and classified and down the track pressured to change their perspective. While the website denies that its goal, I am skeptical as none of the advocates or leaders of side B, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage and, and Orthodox traditional gay and SSA Christians who do not support gay marriage in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, no one from side B was consulted. The goal generally is to stage a reformation of the whole church so that will marry LGBTQI people. All right? Yeah. So that's his take. Yeah. His take is, as a celibate gay Christian who believes that um, you can be SSA, um, you can be Christian, and... Um, you can believe that traditional marriage is between a man and a woman, or the biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. The, the, where does he where does he fit on on that whole thing? And that right. this is actually a power thing, mm-hmm. exerting uh, another further exertion of pressure on churches uh, under the guise of clarity uh, to actually you know because clearly non affirming is not a title anyone wants. Sure. So uh, at least churches that care about reaching new people. Yes. So 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 Barbara's I think Barbara's concerns were interesting in the sense that here's a progressive Christian saying this isn't wise. Mm-hmm. Here's a gay Christian who's a conservative saying this isn't wise. Right. To me, uh, to Mike, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, buddy. Uh, to me, I, I have I have loads of questions about it, but it seems it seems to be guilty of some of the critiques that we would have and level against the Nashville statement. Yeah. Right. It is, it is, there's no room for nuance. Mm -hmm. There's no room for discussion. There's Mm -hmm. no room for conversation. There's no room for listening. It's just declare your statement. So, so what we've said, what we've said is, listen, it's not enough for churches just to say, Hey, um, we don't believe gay people should be married. And just think that they've done their pastoral job in the world by just declaring, hey, here's my statement on biblical sexuality, correct? Right. Well, well, that's true on the other side, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's not just enough. I mean, declarations, I get, I get it. And, I, and if, I were, if I were a gay Christian, I can see where this would be helpful. But in the long run, I do share the same concerns about there's no room for nuance. There's no room for ambiguity there's no room for trying to be a community like vox where the table is shared by affirming and non-affirming people right right there's no room there's no room in it for for i would argue a robust view of jesus and his view of sexuality Mm -hmm. um and how he would engage with different kinds of people along the way um i don't i just don't i think it it's it's totally um it, it, it presses for clarity in a conversation where there is so much. And I get that I get the pain. I mean, I don't understand it because I, I can't I've never felt it, but I can understand it intellectually. I get the pain of having to be having been betrayed by churches uh, because you didn't know what their stance was. I, I we've got some folks at Vox feeling that way about us. I totally I totally can intellectually understand that. But I just don't know that that's the best way to begin to address that very real concern, right? Because right. we have also folks in our community that love who are gay and that love that we're not an affirming church. Right. But we're not in a non-affirming church either. Yeah. And so, so you know, we violate the consciences of some of our gay folks because uh, we're not specifically affirming. And then we violate the consciences of some of our non-affirming folks because we're not specifically non-affirming. 
And so, so there's no, there's no, there's no middle ground. You're either for or against. I mean, it's the Nashville statement again. You're either for us or you're against us. Mm-hmm. End of story. Right. And I just think, I just think those labels aren't 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 good labels. Affirming mm-hmm. and non-affirming. It's like there was this big proposition in California. I don't know, maybe ten years ago. It was called Prop Eight, and it was about gay marriage. And I was a teaching pastor at a big church at that time, and we were getting tons of pressure to clarify our stance on the issue. And I just kept saying, listen, Jesus cannot, his view and the Bible's view of sexuality cannot be confined to a yes or no vote on right. a, propos- a, a ballot proposition. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I don't think you can box in Jesus to affirming or not affirming. We've said Jesus would confront both sides of the issue. Yes. And he would. Nobody comes into contact with Jesus and why? walks away without being un- unbelievably loved and invited into a journey of repentance and restoration. Right. And the ordering of that repentance and restoration and and the priority of that, you know, restoration and repentance. I mean, those are things that God does, mm-hmm. absolutely. That that as a church we don't want to be the folks ordering the the sanctification of people. But there's a sense in which there's just no room for that. And and so so we're just going to have this major rift in the church, which already exists. I got it. But for those of us who are trying to be peacemakers and not just peacekeepers, it, it, it makes it increasingly difficult to try to find a middle ground mm-hmm. where affirming and non-affirming people can share the table together right. by having to be labeled right so we would right now we would we would categorize as undisclosed and then based on our podcast i think you could make a case either for affirming or non affirming right right and so that's i know that's <laughs> there's so many issues with this thing like i mean it, even just from a sub psychological level if you go on the website and you look at the color labeling of how it's suggested it basically says like well if you're this you're green if you're this you're not you know and the only thing that's green right. is if you're clearly affirming Right. And so it's 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 heavily a gender ridden Red is undisclosed. Right. <laughs> Red. <laughs> and then everyone's yellow. Even if you're non affirming and clear, you're yellow. <laughs> right. So it's Right. If the if the goal those should be green. Right. Exactly. If we're going after a partisan view as a way to provide clarity for both sides, then even on like a color association, on a sub psychological understanding of the information, both of them should be green. I mean, right. it's just, I mean, that's, if, if that's where we're going yeah, with this the thing. the only goal is clarity and not judgment. Right. Exactly. And, huh. and it's, and I'm with you in the sense that like, I'm, you know, the, uh, George, who's one of the guys that helped build this site. So I've interacted with him on Twitter in the past couple of weeks. Like I, I first came across this on the bad Christian podcast cause they were talking about it and he came out of this. He, he started this thing because of uh, an interaction he had with Judah Smith or, de- or didn't have in trying to have an interaction with him because he did, he said some sermon about how all are welcome and this is how Jesus would be. And when he asked the city church if they would be if they would disclose their view on this, all of a sudden they took down the tweets, they took down the video of Judah teaching on that sermon. I mean, they quickly packed up and hid real fast of, of him approaching them, wrote them a letter, and shortly after, I know his church then became affirming. So I understand like his his approach to this wanting to provide a future safety for those in the lgbtq community but i i agree with all of um the majority of barbara's points of view on this but my thing that is really stricken me is like i i can't i don't see how this is biblically appropriate like i don't like as an outworking of a fellow brother or sister i have to come against the challenge of being like i don't i don't see if if i'm trying to 
you know, A, if I'm calling it ministry, or if I'm calling it as an actual, like, proper response to gospel, I don't see how this is. This is absolutely counterproductive. I mean, I'm, I'm Why? Was, Why do you think so? Well, for one, I mean, the only, I felt like, in all of my understanding, the only people that ever tried to get Jesus to choose were the Pharisees. You know, I mean, it's mm. just like any time that Jesus was challenged on like, well, is it this view or is it this view? Is it this view or it's this view? And every time he'd push back on both views for the most part, you know, and, cre- and then help and create a different orientation of what that would look like and how we basically had that view wrong. Um, largely, I've taken issue with the fact that I felt I felt like affirming, not affirming is, is a, an American social political issue. And it's not actually mm. like a biblical church issue. Um, so th- that's problematic for me. So it's us bending more towards the social consumerism aspects of picking churches opposed to actually finding a place to um, to find Jesus, to find God, like actually having a vessel mindset and rather a place I arrive at that just simply affirms all of my preferences and identities. Um and this is this is all aside from my view on affirming or not affirming anyways like this is i'm with you this is really all about the how of an impl- of an implementation to force churches upon themselves to decide okay well are you this or are you that because people need to know because otherwise it's just hurtful and it's harmful but the problem is, is that it's blanketing all of these churches that have made mistakes and it's like it's it's forcing good churches to make decisions based on the poor decisions of other churches and that's where it's like that's that's just insanely unfair in my opinion now the two, I, I, I did write this thing that I, I sent to you, which is, I'm not, not going to go through the whole thing right now, but I mean, I even... I like that you're going to quote yourself no, right I did, now. Well, I, I needed to get all these thoughts out two weeks ago, because check this out, all right? So when I tweeted, when I first tweeted George about this issue, um, I got the, the first response I got uh, from a gentleman um, on the gay affirming side, which is, which is fine, but his response, ah, dang it, I had it up here and it disappeared, basically said only, my response was that, um, I was coming back at George about like, you know, this is, this whole thing is actually kind of a, a spit in the face to Jesus' ministry table fellowship. I mean, he had enemies around the table. I mean, it's just in his mm. own first church. Like if, if, if the table of the disciples Andy is Bear the first strong church, words. I mean, it just, it felt like it completely disregards Jesus' own effort to bring enemies around the table. I mean, it's like, right. who's the best example we have of someone who's trying to say, this is what the church looks like. And now you're coming right. in saying, no, it should look like this instead. Like, I, that's how black and white the situation seemed to me. And that was my first thing. But then um, the gentleman that first tweeted me, he said, like, only he said, only uh, only Christians want to force LGBT people to sit down with their oppressors so they have an opportunity to oppress more. Okay. I mean, this is I mean, that the problem is like that kind of statement to me. I'm like, that's the whole problem with this thing is immediately now, Christians, I am boxed into being the type of person that would do this type of thing to somebody, which is right. just simply not true. I'm not that person. I'm not that Christian. I can, I can affirm that Andy Bear is not that kind of person. <laughs> right, you know, and so... Um, He's bringing two sides of his mustache together. He brings things together. <laughs> that's... That's, that's what, what, Andy that's what does. I'm trying here, and, and just for disclaimer, I'm a nine on the enneagram. So if that if that helps to kind of bring my point of view on this, but um, I'm not going to get into my tweets. But so you know, I've got, and you can you know push back if I'm if I'm missing this too. But I mean, the the things that that hit me first was I felt that it's outrageously inconsistent if we're talking about the ideals of clarity. You know, I mean, why? Okay, if we're going to go affirming, not affirming, why not at this day and age go after, okay, do, does the church support Black Lives Matter? You know, are they liberal or are they conservative? Are they pro-life or are they pro-choice? I mean, if we go that road, I mean, what kind of mess are we going to be in there, right? I mean, all okay. of those have been major... Those slippery slope. Huge slippery slope. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, then later on, I, I get into. Uh, I don't. I don't even know how to like articulate all this. It's just so much. This was such a huge <laughs> thought dump. But I mean, like, okay. So let. I even want to point out. Um, you know, Paul's use of, of becoming like another person for the sake of the gospel. I, because I thought this mm-hmm. was huge because I mean, in, in all of his different, so many different circumstances, he would stoop down, so to speak, you know, to be among culture, to understand it. So that way he can make the gospel clear. Like if he mm-hmm. just came in everywhere, stancing everything, well, I'm the master Jew. I'm all of these different things. He would have no voice in those communities. Um, so, you know, here we're looking at, you know, Corinthians nine nineteen through 23, Uh, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. The law, the law, the law, the law. (laughs) To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might have some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings." Um, I mean, this is particularly compelling to me because it, it suggests that we individually as, as folks, and maybe this was just how Paul was, if you want to be that specific, but there's something here to understand that there's a pause in the way that we enter conversations, we enter relationships, we enter a posture is, is how we relate to people, you know, by taking on their understanding, their point of view, um, in a very graceful way. I mean, for the sake of the gospel, for the hope that we might make the gospel clear so they could clearly see who Jesus is. The second that, that I am now participating in a church that's publicly non-affirming is a blanketing my, uh, maybe I have a different opinion, but the majority of the other views line up to where as maybe a non-affirming Christian, which I will say I'm, I, I feel like at this point, I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not really either. However, though, it would make me feel very much like, much like a, what did uh? What was the second guy? What was his name? Billy or uh the in the that was making the cases that you were speaking to. Um, his the, name the, the gay celibate Christian. Right. I don't. Let's see. Anyways, I didn't. I didn't, I yeah. didn't have his name. Okay. So okay. And the the point being that like he was saying like okay if I'm I'm gay but you know I take a non affirming view for the you know the biblical view of marriage where where do I fit into this picture? I mean right. even for someone who's saying I am actively in process you know for my view the second that I'm like you know participating in a church I mean it causes me to actually have to be covert. Whereas, like, it puts me now in the same position that maybe a lot of LGBTQ folks are in, operating in this covert mindset. Now it puts it basically puts that now on us that are still kind of in process and trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So um, ultimately, I just think the whole thing is crazy divisive. Like, it just it totally encourages just both sides to sit in echo chambers and not like actually make room for those coming in to understand. It's only if you're saying it feels like. The Because here's part of my issue is when this guy responded to me on Twitter, his first reaction to my response was hostility. When, in fact, I, I didn't even make my view known. And I was actually making a point about that the actual function of what this does to me was in contrast to the, to the table and table fellowship. So mm-hmm. it's like, but he couldn't, I, I could have come to him and be like, bro, I'm probably more affirming than you realize, you know, as far as like how I hold my view or how I actually like have relationships with, with people in the LGBTQ community. But instead, he just basically assumes that I'm an attacker of the thing and that I'm on the non-affirming side because later on he's but, like, well. But, but, here's, but here's the point they would make, Andy. 
haven't we done that to the LGBTQ community the whole time? Haven't we been the ones who simply reduce a person to a view Mm -hmm. and ignore everything else about them, make their sexuality the primary issue, and mm-hmm. and you know, or their view on sexuality the primary issue, mm-hmm. and uh, and so so I can imagine that uh, that person if they were hearing our conversation would be like well yeah damn straight it's about time mm-hmm. you feel in the church what we felt from the church for decades oh sure yeah in regards to the, co- the my previous thoughts on being covert and having to figure it out and all that and, and also yeah. you feeling like you feeling like you were typecast and stereotyped sure but just point- on the basis of one tweet great that's and i fine but it's like at, at the same time like show me how that is then a clear fulfillment of of how we are supposed to be amongst each other as a fellowship of believers either mm-hmm. way that would fall out i mean that's that's right. the thing both sides are challenged in that like that's just a false dichotomy in which like okay well now you get to feel that way it's like okay if we're just going to sit here and function as social people in america then great then we could play that game that's the game that america plays but it's like when we look when we look at what's happening here biblically neither neither functions are correct i'm not making the statement that the church has been correct the church has drastically failed at this but i right. think that this is you know this is just something that's putting another wedge between the church Enforcing well, us to what, make those decisions. Here's what our friend Preston uh, tweeted out, which I thought was very interesting. He said, church clarity mirrors the, de- the demand of Christian fundamentalism, at least as we saw it. And he's not, this is my mm. ad, uh, like through the Nashville statement. Don't think, mm. don't nuance, don't discuss, don't listen, just declare. Uh, he said, the church clarity website will force many more Nashville statements if you're excited about the former, don't whine about the latter. We don't need more thin bullet point answers to thick relational questions, more dialogue, more conversation, less statements. So, so, right. and, and, and you could argue, you know, and I, I would, I would understand that. Yeah. Yeah. This is how, this is, this is what we've done to the LGBTQ community. Now it's just coming back to us and we don't like it. And so we're whining about all this, but you know, we, we've treated them poorly and, and we've not been honest about where we're at. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's why I think it's really clear that I don't hear you and I don't think I am saying that, listen, uh, clarity um, clarity is necessary and helpful. I mean, we, we at Vox, we always have people who want to know exactly what our view is on this. And we give a very ambiguous answer. And mm-hmm. um, we do that because we believe so highly in table fellowship. Um, uh, but, but, you know, I can see where some have been so hurt that any, any, you you remember one of the first, uh, you know, new to Vox dinners we had when, when that lady was just pressing me, she's like, would you do a, would you do a same sex marriage? Like the whole, her whole participation in our church hinged, hinged on whether or not I would say yes to that question. And, and so I can, I can get that some folks are, are at that spot. But yeah, in terms of the dialectic that's being created now, and this is what I hated so much about the Nashville statement, and, and still I, I'm, I resist that as much if not more as this thing, uh, because I just don't think these things help anymore. Um, I, I just don't, I, 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 think, I think these issues have to be solved around the table. I think they have to be solved in conversation. I think they have to be, be and, and, and solved maybe isn't the right word, because how do you solve people? How do you deal with relational dynamics? I totally get all that. Uh, but, but I'm with you in terms of, yeah, I just don't know that this is the best way to go about it.
I mean, yeah, that's my that's kind of that's my ongoing concern with concern with this. It exactly we're just going to have more Nashville statements um, and more of that. Right. I mean, one of my friends, he was talking to me, gosh, almost a year ago now, and his church was in the process of having to make a statement because for a time they had a girl on their staff who was um, a lesbian, and no one knew about it, and then it came mm-hmm. out that she was. Right. And I believe I know that the pro- there were some process happened in which she either quit and then had a ton of stuff to say about it because then she didn't feel safe to be on staff because it just it, there's all these back end conversations which turned out really ugly right. to which then they the church felt this need then to have to make a statement and have to put forth this non affirming stance on how they are right. and and all of that for the sake of offering clarity up front. But he's like, but he's like, but what do I do? I now on staff have to sign this statement. That says I agree with this, even though I actually don't agree, perhaps with half of what this actually means. Right. And he's like, but what? What do I? If I don't sign it, I lose my job. I mean, that's right. basically what the circumstance in which he was in. So, at the end of this whole thing, you're still going to end up with an incredibly inaccurate view of the people that make up what the church actually is. And that's that's my whole problem with so much of the stancing is that if the church is the collection of a people. You know, not just not just an organization which the people meet within. It just doesn't seem accurate. It's robbed of all nuance and any kind of complexity for any individual person to hold an opinion. And we've even talked about this with politics. It's like I'm perfectly fine with end up with pastors of their churches having their personal opinions in the way that they've come to understanding what is theological, what is biblical and what is an accurate view of maybe certain policies and issues. And to allow the church to be like, and you can disagree with me. You could be sitting in this church and we could all be going to meet God and we are allowed to disagree with each other. And so it's like, but the second we put this title on the church as an organization, it now compromises any ability for someone to have a personal opinion of how they've come to understand it. I mean, all these pastors are so long. Well, don't take my word for it. Go and read it yourself. Okay, well, if I come to a different understanding, (laughs) then where does that put me? You know, right. it's like if, if he's saying, and it's okay if you come to a different understanding of this, then great. That doesn't dismiss you from your ability to actually be in fellowship with us. That's right. Exactly no, right. Nor exactly it, freaking right. Right? How do you how do you how do you be center focused with statements like this flying around? Right. Because it's just it's all boundaries. You can't. Uh, all right. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Anything else you want to say in uh, closing, Andy Bear? Yeah, and people wonder why I call you Andy Bear. It's because you, your hair's in a man bun. You have beautiful brown eyes, <laughs> and you've got two caterpillars trying to kiss on your on your face. That's right. My face is the full embodiment of the natural man, which <laughs> perhaps it should be. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, so not true. You know, wow. gosh, I, I, and I hate it. I hate having to talk about this stuff. I just do. It's just like. I feel like we're we're sitting in the center of this snowball that just keeps rolling somewhere, and you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what else is going to get tacked on over time. Right. And and all in all, I mean, it's it's not because I'm afraid of persecution. Like I'm not like this is and and largely, and here, here's my issue too. You know, is that there's two problems here. One is that I I totally sympathize with many of my LGBTQ friends out there who have actually found physical harm in this world because of these views and opposing views i'm hmm. absolutely against that like i mean mm-hmm. by far would i run to offer safety for my family members for my friends that are in this position for you know terrible like people who have poorly represented the church wrong and actually outwardly acted that way do i want safety for them 
100%. However, though, when we get to this other layer, right? Well, hold on. I'm going to back up. I'm not going to say however. I'm going to say and. <laughs> when we get to this intellectual and philosophical layer, it's very difficult for us just to transport words of harm, words of abuse, and words of these things to mean the same thing if we just disagree theologically. So mm-hmm. I just like I, 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 I wrestle with that because it's like, listen, I'm not putting you in a physically harmful position. Now, if I maybe use my vote in which ultimately causes, you know, different exclusivities and all these kinds of things. OK, well, that might be that might be me being inconsistent. However, though. I just think so much of this is on the conversation level, but it's, it's, it feels like it's at a point in the conversation. It's like, well, now you have to make a choice. It's just like, no, I don't. Hmm. Why do, why hmm. do I have to make a choice? Like, it's, it's like for, for what sake? So that way you can tell other people whether or not I'm a safe person to be around. Who's right. really safe for crying out loud? You know, like 60 year old Paddock goes up in Las Vegas and shoots up how many people and injures how many people. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, on the outside, everyone else is like, yeah, that's a safe guy. No one had any inkling that this guy would be a danger to the people around him. Hmm. He's not. He's not, obviously he wasn't safety. I mean, what what is the illusion of safety in our day and age at this point? And so right. I'm just saying that it's like raising this thing up to this aspect of stancing and in this form of clarity to me is not clarity. This only promotes division. It. Hmm. I I simply cannot see it any other way. I mean, and I, I and so I I sympathize with you know with my friends who feel like we need to know where the safe spaces are. And my, my, my same thing is that I'm like, it's a lie. It's just a lie. You don't, it's, it's the illusion of safety. It's not real safety. It just <laughs> simply is not. And you know, it you only can find safety among the close friends that you have that, that offer safety people that offer table fellowship, that welcome you into their home, that speak grace, that speak kindness, that speak care first you know, before setting their divisions and their stances in front of you. I mean, that to me is like is mo- the most accurate form of, of care and love for, for neighbor. Well, so, how could you argue Jesus was safe in that respect? Yeah, Reading it in, in any way, shape, or form, his yeah. interactions with people. How, how in the world could you ever get to the conclusion that Jesus is safe? Right. You know? Right. And I don't mean safe and welcoming. I don't mean safe in grace. I don't mean safe in his unconditional love. I just mean he challenged people. Absolutely. You know, no one, no one just came away unscathed. Right. Um, so anyway, all right, that's, that's, I'm going to wrap this Andy bear because yeah. we're going on an hour and that's, uh, you know, some imperfect thoughts from two, two yes. failures and screw ups, Yeah. but we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And, um, I imagine this will generate some interesting conversation. So we'd love to <laughs> love to follow along with what you guys think either about it yourself or about what we've said about it. And so um, Facebook, Twitter, all those things are, are uh, looked at, and um, we appreciate all the comments and feedback we get. Uh, if you want to check out more episodes, voxpodcast.com, or you can look us up on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, for those of you supporting us on Patreon, we are so incredibly grateful for you, uh, particularly as we've had to do all sorts of crazy things to, to try to get the technology back up to, up to speed. Um, and so thank you for your support. And uh, that's all I got. Andy, anything else? No, that's it. I, I need to shut right. up. Go, go Dodgers. <laughs> Oh no, go ducks. <laughs> okay. So, I'm not even going to get into the baseball. I don't even care. I don't even care. But I know what that's, that's like to feel like on the other side. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How you feel towards baseball yeah. is how I feel towards you that and sounds, baseball. Yeah. 
collectively. <laughs> <laughs> there should be no there should be no other sports on television. Oh, um, good grief! All right, so my brothers and sisters, uh, sift and sort this. Uh, hold on to the good. Get rid of uh, the stuff that's Mike and Andy, um, which may be most of it. Um, particularly <laughs> for those of you growing mustaches, you just need to get a glimpse of this thing. Um, you just need to see it. You just, it's glorious. It's two caterpillars kissing under his nose. I mean, yeah, that's I, what it looks like. I think you can see it on the Vox podcast Twitter right now from uh, our Halloween post. They did post a, a little family pic of our uh, costumes. Yeah, but it's not close. That's true. You, you can't really, you can't really appreciate it until you see <laughs> it, the curls. The curls. It's got. It's got. It's got curls. It's got. Yeah. It's, oh man, I'm so jealous to out. have those. Oh, those options. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance to you. And in these days, may He give you peace. See you next time, brothers and sisters. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast, and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash Vox Podcast.